from the creator economy to the end of Bretton Woods and the origins of the metaverse. This is the UAE Tech Podcast Web3 edition. Tune in for cutting edge interviews on how blockchain is reshaping cyberspace, finance and culture from here in Dubai and cities around the world. At one point, we are also thinking: Do should we even have physical cards printed? Because all what all what a customer does is once they receive their card, is is just add them to the Apple or Samsung wallet. Yeah. So this whole uh, day and age of uh, of uh, mobile payments has has taken such a steep rise that these these are become core to our propositions. Now, when it comes to banking APIs, you know, as I, as I was mentioning earlier, all of our partnerships are with regular, fully regulated, licensed banks. So a lot of information uh, sharing between the two is done through APIs. And, you know, banks have also come around. Banks have now, uh, you know, there is, you know, depending upon which geography we are talking about, uh, open banking is in or not. But if I'll talk specifically about uh, UAE and even KSA for that matter, you know, the frameworks are being established, but banks have now started, you know, providing their APIs or do sandbox testing, et cetera. But where there is one-to-one -one partnership like YAP and their partner banks, there are APIs that are continuously talking to each other to make sure that we provide the most optimum service to our customers. YAP means pay backwards. It's a neobank established in the UAE, working on a move to KSA and offering a range of services for B2B and B2C clients. The company markets itself as a financial technology and not a bank. From exploring the role of APIs to the distinction between banks and banking services, the UAE Tech Podcast has covered several companies in this space. We spoke with Masood Khan, CEO of Yap UAE, to understand more about the GCC market in particular. What is the addressable market? Why is social more important than sales? And how will the growth of the digital economy affect neobanking in the future? Because YAP is focusing on mass adoption during a time of global instability, it serves as a really useful window into emerging virtual banking services and the GCC payment sector more generally. Masood Khan from Yap, thank you so much for joining us today on the UAE Tech Podcast. So I wanted to jump straight in by asking you, what is Yap? Why is it amazing? And how is it different to the other competitors on the market? All right. Thanks, John, for having me in. Yeah, so first things first, Yap is pay backwards. I can, I can assure you not many people get it, but our name is intentionally that simple because we are making everything related to payments more simple, yeah? So Yap is a uh, is a financial super app. It's got uh, both B2C and B2B platforms. Uh, the whole uh, idea of Yap is to bring in uh, a new age uh, financial experience for consumers in the UAE and in the regions that we are going to operate in, which is effectively Middle East, uh, South Asia, and Africa. In terms of what it brings onto the table, I mean, obviously the problem was very well crafted by the founders, I guess, around four or five years back where there was a clear gap in the market in terms of uh, fintech and digital banking and the financial experience that consumers are going through. And that's where it all 
uh, got started. So uh, it currently looks at, I mean, there's a lot of stress on UX for us, and that's extremely important, but also bringing all and everything that you want to do uh, in on the financial world uh, is, is right in one app. So that's why we call it the all-in-one money app. So how did you get into this space? How did you come on board with the team at Yap? Um, could you tell us a little bit about your personal and professional background? Yeah, so interesting story. So I've been a banker all, all my career. Yeah, I started with an investment banker as an intern. Obviously didn't like the job too much. Came to UAE and I've been in banking and payments uh, all along. So my background has been digital all along. But I can assure you back in 2007, when I first launched for my bank I was working for before, it wasn't called digital, it wasn't called online, it was called internet banking. Yeah. So those are the days, ages that I'm talking about. And I remember my ex-CEO of the bank telling me, uh, you wouldn't be able to send remittances through your digital banking or internet banking that day uh, until there is snow on, on the main street here on Sheikh Zayed Road. So you can imagine, I mean, those were the days where we all crafted uh, and started writing specifications for our digital banking. And that's where we conceived the idea. But all along, I've been digital, have sold insurance, online portals, uh, mobile banking, done it many times. So uh, uh, created payment platforms, uh, school apps, all of that uh, across my career. It's funny how, you know, internet banking, I remember that being such a new thing, uh, such a nifty thing. And now we're talking about neobanks, you know, and there's a whole new fintech uh, slash DeFi slash crypto industry popping up. I wanted to ask you, could you explain to our audience what is a neobank? And also, why do you think Yap is useful in the UAE? What are the reasons people are using Yap in the UAE? Yeah, so I think first things first, the definition of new bank, and I think there are there's just so much out there and it can get quite confusing, you know, and I'm not taking sides here, but the Americans call it a new bank, the British call it challenger bank, but you know, there's just so much out there, but I think uh, straight, straight things first, I think what I will do is bring out more than the definition of what, what it does, yeah, so I think the first things first is they tend to have pared down services when you compare to financial institutions. You know, they, they may not offer mortgages or 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 big loans, but they may give you small uh, intuitive loans like, you know, buy now, pay later or spend now, pay later is a good concept that people we are working on now. Uh, checkings and savings account. Um, they rarely will build uh, brick and mortar branches, but they are look, uh, more likely to have a completely digital uh, presence. Uh, they also tend to be more nimble and transparent than their mega banks, but more often than not, will partner with financial institutions uh, to uh, provide some products. And we do that at YAP. At DAP, we also have partner banks across the regions that we operate in. It's uh, you know, and just it just keeps us so focused. You know, you concentrate on technology, service, marketing, and sales as opposed to compliance, regulatory. Uh, operational uh, area. So that kind of just keeps us focused and we are thankful to our partner banks for helping us achieve our goals. Now, in terms of what YAP bring in, brings into uh, to, to, to the UAE consumers, I think first things first, when we launched, especially in the UAE, there wasn't really a framework around, you know, it was the first of its kind, fintech and partnership together. So there were fintechs and then there were banks. Yeah, and then fintechs were more often looked at 
technology partners as opposed to mainstream providers. So this is an opportunity that we saw in this market, much to the likes of what Revolut did back in the UK, I would say, you know, six or seven years ago. And once we brought that in, obviously there was this whole piece about bringing the customer experience, yeah? And having built digital banking platforms together and create and curating experiences, it was a completely different experience in Yap. Yap is a very light version of your financial interaction. Uh, I mean, even small things like, you know, when you look at your transaction history, there are two ways to do it. Make it boring or interesting, yeah? Boring is a transaction date and an amount and a narration. The interesting part is if you look at our app, if you had a Starbucks coffee, you'll have a Starbucks logo. If you traveled with uh, with Uber, you have an Uber logo. I mean, these are things that, you know, it's, it's more about that interpersonal experience, which we believe uh, was lacking at that time. And it's 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 still in, in its nascent stages, stages with, you know, some of our uh, uh, competitors. I think that's that's was the key for us. I think the second piece is simplicity, you know banking or interacting with a financial institution can get quite complex. Yeah. And banking is nothing. No one wakes up in the morning, thinks about payments and, you know, either you're consuming, you're giving, uh, you, you need value for your services. So I think making it more simple, interactive and, you know, two-step process, I know you would have that many times, but having something on the click of a button, bringing it all together was, was the key differentiator for us. And, and that's where we, we, we got hundreds and thousands of customers coming on to us. That's really interesting. It reminds me of that phrase, software is eating the world. And to some extent, it seems to be eating banking, that idea that, you know, the the user experience, uh, the interface design, uh, the logos of, of the brands that we all use, you know, every single day, a, a kind of new way of um interacting with your bank but much more visual and much more built for the kind of you know smartphone generation that does make sense and it goes back to something that we were discussing with a guy called jamie broadbent the head of digital and innovation at royal bank of scotland and he said that he thinks if we go forward 20 years banks traditional banks as we know them today might be a thing of the past but what will not change what will stay the same is banking we will always need a banking industry what do you guys think about that how do you see the future of payments and the future for services like yap um in regard to you know traditional and neo banking yeah i think uh, you know i would quite agree with jamie on, on that front so so the brick and mortar bank, banking will definitely become a thing of the past but that doesn't necessarily mean traditional banks will yeah banking is very important mainstream for the economy i don't think that's going anywhere but obviously the whole banking ecosystem is a lot more outside in as opposed to inside out banks traditionally a provider of services, but in the next 20 years or even in the next five to seven years, I would say, you know, bank will be a consumer of a lot of these services. You know, look at us for an example. I mean, there are banks that are embracing us to provide mainstream services, not because they can't do it, but it's just that it's so complex. They, they, they love their lending, they love their business, their cards, their interest incomes, the commission and fees. There's just so much on the table for them. It's uh, and then the, here comes fintech player like Yap ties up with banks and uh, kind of just accelerates their entire strategic intention to, in terms of what they want to do uh, for the future. So I think it's a it's a good marriage. It's something that uh, both the bank and the Yap are very proud of. 
and uh, it's here to say so traditional banks banking is definitely going to say i think the definition of traditional banks in the next 5 to 10 years uh, will go through a change in multiple definitions yeah that's a that's a good way of putting it the definition might change um i noticed you guys were talking about virtual payment cards and i've just started using these things what is the uptake like the adoption like on those services in the uae are people using virtual payment cards now do they understand them and why was it important for yap to roll out something like this yeah so i think first things first just let me define virtual cards yeah so uh, you know each card the virtual card will have its own unique number expiration date and also cvv i think the key use case for this card is users can set their spending limits by topping up their cards. And I mean, the amount of money they plan on spending on a specific transaction, they can easily control it. So we wanted to give it more control to the users. And you know, how many times have we spoken about, I don't want to overspend this account. I don't want to take money off this account. I don't want to take the cash off. So we said, what is the easiest way of creating small buckets uh, or pockets of money was we said, let's create uh, virtual cards. Now, why virtual cards become easier is, you know, when you have an IBAN and you have a fully full-blown account and it's fully KYC, which means you're following all the anti-money laundering, all the regulations, then it's just easier about at the click of a button. It just, and I'm saying literally not more than three seconds, you create a virtual card. Now I have got five virtual cards. There are some who got two or three, depending upon uh, upon what use case you have, but I got a Netflix card, I got an Amazon Prime card. So I got all of those cards. So, so the reason is, you know, uh, traditionally uh, it's been a debit and a, and a credit uh, card country. Yeah, and most of Middle East, you will see a lot of that happening. The whole idea was how can we create smaller pockets? Because traditionally you're either getting a debit supplementary or you're getting a credit supplementary card. And there's a whole big process you fill out application forms card comes to you sms goes to someone you know there is this whole bit around it and we said let's make it simple let let's give the power to the user to create virtual cards uh for the users that are for the use cases uh, that that they have so what it effectively does is not only convenience but also security which is so important yeah it's it's just a normal card you just don't you just don't feel it but it's 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 right in front of you I was actually going to ask you about cybersecurity because I know APIs are really important um, and and I think we need to talk about APIs a bit later, but what are the cybersecurity uh, challenges for a company like Gap? How do you guys go about defending yourselves, you know, checking for spam, checking for um, fake accounts and that kind of thing? And, and what is the kind of cybersecurity implications that for a company like Yap uh, as compared to, you know, a larger institutional bank? So this is one area uh, where we've seen a lot more spend coming from our side. I think there's a lot of investment that we've done on the cybersecurity. And we are a, when you're a digital-only company, for sure, cybersecurity is of prime importance here. Yeah? So on one side is where we are bringing convenience and simplicity to the customer. I think on the top sits the assurance to the customer, and that's where we spend a lot of time. So... And, you know, uh, most fintechs like us, we are on cloud and, you know, cloud is the next big thing if it's not already. And that's where our focus is on. So uh, we got um, the security operations center, we got 
uh, we got uh, cyber monitoring, we got our partner banks also monitor uh, the pipes. So there is continuous checks and balances that happen on a daily, weekly, and it's a 24 by 7 monitoring that we have to make sure that uh, our customers' money is absolutely safe. So that is something that we is of prime importance. And I think over overarching governance is, is data. I think that's the key, right? I mean, I mean your your PII information is so important that uh, that is safeguarded by us. So yeah, there's a lot of importance. I mean, data is too. Data can be monetized, but uh, the first things first, uh, hygiene is uh, make sure data is secure, and and uh, we are not leaving any uh, anything spared on that. Yeah, I guess it is one step really towards a cashless society. And one of the strengths of that is data becomes more important. Um, and, you know, it becomes much more important for digital cybersecurity, but the physical attack service to some extent has possibly been removed. Um, on the digital question, though, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about APIs. I know you guys are using Samsung Pay. I wanted to ask you, A, how did that collaboration come about? And B, you know, how important are banking APIs and these kind of emerging services for a company such as Yap? Yeah, I think uh, uh, Samsung Pay and we also have tied up with Apple Pay as well. So I think oh, great. both of these, yeah, so both of these are extremely important for us. I mean, at one point we are also thinking, do should we even have physical cards printed? Because all what all what a customer does is once they receive their card, is is just add them to the Apple or Samsung wallet. Yeah. So this whole uh, day and age of uh, of uh, mobile payments has has taken such a steep rise that these these are become core to our propositions. Now, when it comes to banking APIs, you know, as I, as I was mentioning earlier, all our partnerships are with regulated, fully regulated, licensed banks. So a lot of information uh, sharing between the two is done through APIs. And you know, banks have also come around. Banks have now. Uh, you know, there is, you know, depending upon which geography we are talking about, uh, open banking is in or not, but if I'll talk specifically about uh, UAE and even KSA for that matter, you know, the frameworks are being established, but banks have now started, you know, providing their APIs or do sandbox testing, etc. But where there is one-to-one -one partnership like YAP and their partner banks, there are APIs that are continuously talking to each other to make sure that we provide the most optimum service to our customers. Yeah, and it does sound like APIs are having a massive role in this industry. Um, I wanted to go back a little bit to something you talked about earlier, and you said that traditionally in the Middle East there was a reliance on debit cards and credit cards, which I think we're all familiar with. But there were also with virtual cards, you know, you could have your Amazon Prime or your Netflix. Presumably, I guess your point there was, you know, these cards can be used for smaller amounts and they can perhaps give access to banking or neo-banking services to individuals that wouldn't have used them or weren't available in the past. So to what extent, what is the addressable market for YAP, I guess, is one question. And two, do you think YAP is playing a role introducing new kinds of banking services to individuals who might not have used it before? Or is it more focusing on kind of the blue collar and people who already have access to banking but want to try something new? Oh, so YAP is for masses. Yeah, YAP is for all. So there is no barrier to entry, uh, no minimum balance, uh, no minimum salary, uh, no cost to sign up. So absolutely no barrier to entry for us. So so for us, effectively, the addressable market is everyone who can 
who who is legally allowed to bank or be provided through a guardian for example you can give you know youth propositions we got a yap young proposition which can be from aged 9 and above yeah and parents can give them give them services like you know give them tasks uh, reward them for tasks so these are the kind of things so it's it's yap is for the underserved and the underbanked and obviously someone who's professionally interacting with their finances it it covers broad range in terms of products and services obviously uh, we just got started i mean it has been almost a year yeah amazing but uh, for us it's it's a lot about uh, what's next coming in. and we got a full roadmap so for example think of things like you know uh, especially in the middle east it's a big country where you have maids and nannies and drivers and a lot of their money dealing is in cash whether you go to buy groceries whether you they're taking your kids to uh, to play in the playground or buy them ice cream stuff or even uh, for that matter, even salaries to some of these guys are going in cash. And we said, why not optimize this experience, A, for assurance that the salaries for these guys are coming in, but more importantly, how do you track spending of some of these expenses, uh, which are mainly dealt in cash? So Yap looks at these day-to-day -day issues and problems. And you know, we are so used to it, you sometimes don't even realize that these are issues of problems. And this is where, you know, a lot of our, uh, user research work goes in to understand what are the day-to-day -day interaction with money and how do we uh, bring in more sophistication, ease, experience to solve these problems. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. So what do you think the trends are going forwards? I mean, do you think neobanking and services like Yap are going to grow? Uh, do you anticipate that you know, there's going to be a shift towards these kind of services? And if so, why? Is it purely convenience? Or is there something else there? Is there some other solution there that people are gravitating towards? I think it all starts from how you acquire these customers. Yeah. If you, I mean, we got, we want more 200,000, almost 200,000 users, and we don't have a single salesperson. So all of our user base is acquired through social media. So we got a social first strategy. Now you can imagine, I mean, there's a lot of work. So we've got a studio, we've got a, we've got a big marketing team uh, working on with the likes of uh, Google and Meta just to make sure that we are targeting the right audience. So one is this whole social first targeting, which is extremely important for us to, uh, to get to acquire them. Uh, number two, I think the most important thing that I, we have seen is how you engage these customers, because that's of prime importance. You know, one is acquisition and two is engagement. And that's where we are spending a lot of our focus on. And what we see is, you know, even simple things when done right, you will see a lot of engagement. And I give you example of these virtual cards where it's, it's being a raging success. Um, some of the things that our customers have given feedback is, is simple, are simple things like, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, you make a transaction history so simple. We just understand what's going on. We got budgets and analytics on our app. And if you look at that, you know, as you scroll on the app, you will see those analytics bar changing. But they could be small, fun things. But really, what you imagine is, you know, it's like you, you're scrolling down and you're seeing how you your spending and shift pattern are going. Now, in an ideal world where there's open banking and you connected to five banks, you know that personal finance managers work the best. But if you look at you know, when you're when you're interacting with Yap, you get all of this at the same time. So this, I mean, we would have never imagined when we started, we would be getting 
this kind of a feedback and response from customers. So if anything, we are only more excited than ever to not only continue our success in UAE, but also uh, our key focus area, which is next in KSA, where we are uh, planning a launch next year, subject to regulatory approvals, which is uh, going so far so good. Uh, and then, yeah, so the need is established. The proof points are all ticked. I think it's all about how we change the gears now. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, in, in you know, in countries like KSA with a very young population and some of the highest Twitter penetration rates in the world can definitely understand how social media will drive adoption and also how possibly the younger generation will find services like Yap a little bit more accessible than perhaps some of the the, the older legacy partners. Um, before we go, because we're getting towards the end of our time, I wanted to switch over to another sector of emerging finance and ask an inevitable question about crypto. Um, it's been a hard winter in crypto. Do you think Yap will ever move into non-fiat denominated currencies or tokens? Um, if so, you know, what are you thinking? And if not, um, why? And, and perhaps what are some of the regulatory and security issues in this space right now? Yeah. So first things first, I would say never say no. Yeah. Because it's such an evolving space. So I think uh, for us, you know, uh, I mean, we don't have a formal towards it, but I think what we, I mean, there are plans that are in the cooking, but for us, it's more important to have the right regulatory framework. And then why not? If you have the right regulatory framework around it, you know, the recent events that we've heard all across, it's not very encouraging. I mean, the whole user confidence is 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 currently dented a bit but yeah definitely future, uh, mm-hmm. yeah in the future if, there, if, uh, if regulatory allows us and i'm sure the regulators are going to crack this one day i mean yeah we'll be ready then so we definitely have plans but anything on launch anything on putting uh, pocs out there is all subject to regulatory but yeah listen i mean there are there are a set of uh, players who are trying to make this mainstream i think once the regulator backing comes in uh, definitely, yeah, won't be left behind. So we definitely have plans, but um, but but it's it's a space we are watching out very closely because we just want to. Be, this is about not being smart. This is about being right, and that's where we are focusing on. Yeah, and it does seem like some of those solutions aren't quite there yet. Um, so finally, just to finish up today, I wanted to ask what's next uh, for you guys and for Yap. So what are the big opportunities and challenges you're looking forward to in 2023? I know you mentioned a move into KSA, but what are the big things you're looking towards for next year? Yeah, I think first things first, I think this whole space we are in into the financial crunch here. Yeah? I think overall, if you look at how the fintech market is now shaped up, the VC space, uh, and even globally, if you look at the situations that are happening, geopolitical situations. So, it, I mean, the next next uh, six to nine months are are quite challenging. What we've internally done is, you know, uh, just regrouped ourselves and we said, okay, we got so many countries to launch. We need to assemble ourselves. So what we said is, I think the next big thing is for, uh, for us is to launch in KSA. First is obviously to ride the good momentum that we already have in UAE. But obviously, we're going all lock, stock, barrel in KSA. It's an exciting market for us. And that is something that we are very much focused on. And then obviously, we have uh, Pakistan and Ghana, which are huge markets for us, absolutely. And that's where we'll be focusing on uh, eventually. And then probably Egypt uh, in 2024. So 
in the, in the current state, state of things and what looks like six to nine months, we're just going to focus on UAE and KSA. And then obviously in, in other countries, uh, obviously will be it will be a slow burn. But uh, once we are out of that, then we definitely will be expanding into not only these countries I mentioned, but a lot more other countries. So Masood Khan, thank you so much for your time today on the UAE Tech Podcast. Thank you for having me here. Sponsor information. The UAE Tech Podcast is distributed by Albuaba Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Albuaba Business, syndication distribution on Albuaba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Albuaba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.